From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. This broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. This week, Dr. Cairns continues a series of studies on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, a subject of vital importance for the Church of Jesus Christ. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, found in his collection called Morning and Evening. This morning's text is found in Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 6. His ways are everlasting. What he hath done at one time, he will do yet again. Man's ways are variable, but God's ways are everlasting. There are many reasons for this most comforting truth. Among them are the following. The Lord's ways are the result of wise deliberation. He ordereth all things according to the counsel of his own will. Human action is frequently the hasty result of passion or fear, and is followed by regret and alteration. But nothing can take the Almighty by surprise, or happen otherwise than he has foreseen. His ways are the outgrowth of an immutable character, and in them the fixed and settled attributes of God are clearly to be seen. Unless the Eternal One Himself can undergo change, His ways, which are Himself in action, must remain forever the same. Is He eternally just, gracious, faithful, wise, tender? Then His ways must ever be distinguished for the same excellences. Beings act according to their nature. When those natures change, their conduct varies also. But since God cannot know the shadow of a turning... His ways will abide everlastingly the same. Moreover, there is no reason from without which could reverse the divine ways, since they are the embodiment of irresistible might. The earth is said by the prophet to be cleft with rivers, mountains tremble, the deep lifts up its hands, and sun and moon stand still when Jehovah marches forth for the salvation of his people. Who can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? but it is not might alone which gives stability. God's ways are the manifestation of the eternal principles of right, and therefore can never pass away. Wrong breeds decay and involves ruin, but the true and the good have about them a vitality which ages cannot diminish. This morning, let us go to our Heavenly Father with confidence, remembering that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and in Him... The Lord is ever gracious to his people. Oh, come, oh, come, 
To assist you in meditating upon the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ into the world, Let the Bible Speak is happy to offer a unique publication called The Twelve Days of Christmas. Written by Roger Ellsworth, an experienced minister and writer, The Twelve Days of Christmas is a small paperback book containing 24 devotions, each including a short scripture reading, several paragraphs, and a concluding to-think-about section, that draws lines of application from the text to modern-day life. The book is intended to help the hearts and minds of believers to focus upon the wonder of the Incarnation, as well as to encourage unbelievers to come in repentance and faith to Christ. Let the Bible Speak is happy to make this booklet available free of charge to our listening audience. You may have a copy simply by contacting us by phone, email, or regular mail. 
you may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. You may email us at info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. Or you may simply write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. We encourage you to request your free copy of The Twelve Days of Christmas. the Bible speak, Dr. Alan Cairns continues his studies in the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, bringing the concluding portion of a message on the sanctification of the Spirit. The text in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, declares that sanctification, or holiness, is wrought in the believer by the Holy Spirit. So, as we've seen, it is a godly work. Then it is a gospel work. Holiness exists only in those who have received Christ as their personal Savior. As Dr. Cairns concludes this message, he will show that sanctification is a good work, producing many spiritual benefits. Then it is a gradual work, producing growth in grace on a day-by-day basis. Finally, it is a glorious work, resulting in John's statement that we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now Dr. Cairns concludes this message called The Sanctification of the Spirit. Remember this, sanctification is by the blood of Jesus Christ. I could prove that again and again in the Bible. Ephesians 5, 25 to 27. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. With what purpose? That he might cleanse and sanctify it. The blood shed for our sanctification. Hebrews 13 and verse 12. Therefore that he might sanctify the people, Christ suffered without the gate. Revelation 12 and verse 11. How did they overcome the devil? By the blood of the Lamb 
on the word of their testimony. You see, sanctification is by the blood of Christ. Now let me get that down. This is a gospel work. John Owen talked about holiness. And he was making the point that there never was, there certainly is not, and there never can be or will be, in this world what he called the least dram of holiness. But what? Flowing from Jesus Christ is communicated by the Spirit according to the truth and promise of the gospel. There isn't the least dram of holiness apart from the gospel, apart from what the blood has purchased. Now you think that one through. To be holy you must first perceive it. To put holiness as a prior condition for salvation, as many people do. As, for instance, the whole system of Romanism is doing. And many parts now of so-called Protestantism are doing. In telling people, do this to be saved. In actual fact, what we're doing is to look for fruit where there has been no seed sown. We're looking for life. We're death reigns. We're looking for grapes from thorns and figs from thistles. It's an impossibility. My friend, unless the blood of Christ has been applied to your heart, you cannot be holy. And if you set out to be holy in order to please God and come to God, you'll perish for all eternity. The Lord Jesus said, I haven't come to call the righteous. If Christ had only come to call the righteous, man, we would all have been in hell. Had he only come to call the righteous, he certainly couldn't have called me. He certainly couldn't have called you. Standing beside the immaculate purity of the law of God, we would all be condemned. But he said, I have come to call Sinners to repentance. Bless God, Jesus deals with sinners. There is an amazing statement that Paul made to the Romans when he was dealing with the subject of justification. And he said, God justifies the ungodly. You think of that. He doesn't wait until you're godly. He doesn't wait until you've cleaned up your life. He doesn't wait until you have made an impression on Him. He takes you deep down in your sin under the condemnation of the broken law within a heartbeat of hell and He meets you there, washes you in the blood of the Lamb, saves your soul for all eternity and then He makes you holy. Holiness comes from salvation. But then if you are saved, the life of holiness depends on your appreciation of and your appropriation of the cross work of Christ. I said the Holy Spirit makes us know what we have in Christ. This is what he makes us know. Now let me be very simple here. I haven't time to follow this through. Let me be very, very brief and very simple. Every Christian believes Christ died. He died for our sins. Christ was buried. Christ rose again the third day. And Christ ascended into heaven. Yes, all Christians believe those things. 
Sadly, it appears to me there's not a Christian in a hundred, maybe not a Christian in a thousand in these days, that sees his personal standing in Christ. That when Christ died, according to God's law, I died, for he and I were one in the covenant of grace. And when Christ was buried, I was buried. And when Christ rose, I rose. And when Christ sat down on the throne, according to Ephesians 2 and 4, I sat down with him. It's easy to say those things. Knowing them is the key to holiness. Romans 6, when you know these things, then you can reckon on them. And when you reckon on the cross work of Christ, then you can yield your life and your body to God for service. Christians are always being asked, will you yield to the Lord? Preachers have got a bee in their bonnet about public appeals. They must have a, an immediate, instantaneous public response. Somehow or other they think it proves they've accomplished something. It proves that they're getting somewhere. Now I believe there are times when it's a good thing to have a public appeal and an immediate response. I believe God must be sovereign in these things and the Holy Ghost must dictate His will in every service. But I have sat in service after service after service where Christians have been asked, will you yield your life to the Lord? Certainly, there's not a man that's saved that doesn't have within his, the very fiber of his being a desire to be yielded to Christ. And I've seen people come forward in droves, and then the next day, their back will start it again. I've had people come to me and they've said, I've yielded and yielded and yielded and yielded. How do I really yield in such a way that it will make any difference? You've got the cart before the horse. My friend, there must be a knowing. Not the knowing just of the head that you can recite the words, but the knowing of the heart. It must be right central to your thinking that you are one with Christ and accepted in the Beloved. And when you know this, then you can stand upon it. And when you stand upon the finished work of Christ and your personal position in Christ, then you can yield. That's God's order. It's a gospel work. Don't try to be holy apart from the gospel. You'll feel. It's a good work. Let me give you three descriptions of it. In our text, 2 Corinthians 3.17, it's called liberty. Liberty. That's sanctification. That's what the Holy Ghost does. Liberty, the chain is broken. The things that once were impossible, bless God now, they are possible. Liberty to serve the Lord in gladness of heart. In 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 3, there is the idea of likeness to Christ. And this is brought out again in the words of our text, the image of Christ. 
There is the likeness to Christ. That is sanctification. To be like Jesus. And then, of course, included in that is the thought of the life of victory. Romans 6 and 14, sin shall not have dominion over you. The things that once were your masters are your masters no longer. Christ has dominion over you. Grace reigns in your heart, not sin. Thanks be unto God, said Paul, which always causes us to triumph. There's victory in Jesus. It's a good work. It's a gradual work. We are being changed. In Exodus 23, 29, and 30, the Lord said to Israel, I will drive out these various nations from before you, but not all at once. By little and by little, you'll go in to possess the land. That's the way it is in the lives of Christians. Oh, as soon as you're saved, there is liberty and there is uh, a likeness to Christ and there is the beginning of a life of victory. And it should go on. But nonetheless, there's no sinless perfection in this world. There's no eradication of the root of sin in this world. John said, 1 John 1 and 8, if we say that we have no sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth isn't in us. You're a liar if you say, I have no sin. The Bible says you have. But there is a progressive work of overcoming sin. Peter said, grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, add to your faith virtue. Grow, add, develop. Progress. My friend, there is a gradual work in the believer whereby day by day he should be growing up into Christ in all things. He should become stronger in faith, stronger in grace, stronger in love, stronger in prayer, stronger in knowledge, stronger in service. Tragedy is that a lot of Christians are treading water. They're making no real progress. There is a gradual work. Bless God, it is a glorious work. We're being changed into the image of Christ from glory to glory. It's a tremendous statement. Holiness is heaven begun. Heaven is holiness completed from glory I want to tell you my friend glory has begun for the man who was a child of the devil and now he's a child of God glory has dawned in the life of a man whom God found in the midnight darkness of the prison house of sin within a heartbeat of hell and he is lifted him out and he's made him a new creature Christ Jesus, he's placed the Holy Spirit within him. He has sealed him unto the day of redemption. Glory has begun in that man's life. I tell you, when a man has been found chained in sin, in lust, in pride, with habits that he couldn't break, and grace has stepped in and snapped those fetters, that 
There's glory already. There's better on ahead. One day we'll see him whom not having seen we love. One day our deepest joy will be fulfilled and our highest aspiration will come to pass. And when we see him, we shall be like him. There's a day coming. And every part of us, spirit, soul, and body, will be without the very presence of sin and confirmed in immaculate holiness. We will be citizens of glory for all eternity. That's what it is on ahead. He who has begun a good work in us will complete it unto the day of Jesus Christ. This is the work of the Spirit in sanctification. It's a godly work. It is the work of God the Holy Spirit. It is a gospel work. It is done on the basis of the precious blood of Christ. It's a good work leading to liberty, likeness to Christ, and a life of victory. It's a gradual work progressing day by day to make us more like our Savior. It's a glorious work that will not leave us until we're landed safe on the glory shore. May God continue His work in you and me to produce within us the very image of Jesus Christ. You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. If you wish, you may call us at one 864 Two four four two four zero eight. That's one eight six four two four four two four zero eight. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www fpcna.org that's www.fpcna.org this is charles kelch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we let the bible speak (music) 